Miles from Ravenbrook. The Thing of Whispering Grove March 13th, 1997 My name is Chuck Bennigan. I have been forced by my therapist to keep a journal chronicling my thoughts and experiences. She says it is a way to get it all out. There was also something about reliving past trauma and overcoming it or some bullshit, but I will do it anyway. Hell, it may help in the end. So I guess, here goes. In the fall of 1980, I ran a small construction gig out of Ravenbrook. It wasn't anything special, but it allowed me to live pretty comfortably. However, slow days meant strapping on my backpack, lacing up my boots, and disappearing into the mountains, sometimes camping overnight. No strings attached, just the wild and me. This particular trip led me out to a small clearing in the Whispering Grove area. It was August. Clear skies and I was two days deep when the world decided to play a cruel hand. I was mid-step when reality unraveled like an old sweater, turning gray and fuzzy. It was like borrowing someone else's glasses, but worse. I finished the step I was taking, started another, and the gray twisted into shapes that made no damn sense. It was like I crossed some invisible line and boom, day turned to night. No breeze, just stifling air, and the trees were swapped for jungle-like madness. Except, there were no stars. Just this eerie light I couldn't place. Adrenaline hit me like a freight train, slowing down time. A high-pitched keening filled the air, chilling my bones. I took another step, and that's when it whispered, Gotcha. Not to me, but to itself. Fear sank its teeth in me, froze my heart for a moment. There I was, stuck in time. It felt like a lifetime, maybe more. But finally, Sala saved me, made me gasp for air. As I came to, I realized I needed to get the hell out of there. I slowly stepped backward through the same steps I came in. Over my shoulder, I saw it. Dark, hairy hand reaching for my throat. It had pale spade-shaped nails, clean like they belonged to some manicured beast. Its thumb was lower and had thin fingers, but powerful. Black hair covered the whole damned thing. Its thumbnail grazed my neck as I stumbled back, and before I could react, the hand vanished into thin air. Two more steps back and the world reversed itself. Everything became lighter trees returned to their original places. The strange, unfamiliar area I had stumbled upon became familiar again. I found myself back in the Whispering Grove. Terrified, I kept moving backward. Then, I saw it. The shimmering oval patch where I had come from. The woods behind it like underwater chaos. By the fifth step... It disappeared and everything was back to normal. My lungs were on fire. My adrenaline was pumping. I spun around, ran down the trail. My legs had never moved so fast. I didn't think they were capable of it. 
I didn't stop until I reached my truck. It took me two days to get there, but only three hours to escape. The ride home was a nightmare. Thoughts of driving my truck into that trap haunted me. It was like a portal. It somehow hid itself on the way in, revealed only when I was back out. I had terrible nightmares for years, and I still can't wrap my head around what happened. My fingers are trembling and my hair is standing up on end as I struggle to write this damn account. Years have passed, but the memory of that terrifying encounter clung to me like moss on an old tree. Nights were the worst, constantly haunted by shadows of that whisper and the hairy-handed beast reaching out of nowhere. I tried to shake it off and pretend it was a fever dream, but the scars run deep. The woods, once a sanctuary, once my safe place, now held secrets darker than the shadows beneath the firs. I always knew that there was something funny about Ravenbrook. Mind you, I have seen my fair share of strange things, but my beautiful whispering grove, tainted by a portal I never asked for. People can call it a trick of the mind, but it's tough to forget the cold sweat that dripped down my spine. The fear, not of the unknown, but of something that should never exist in the first place. The whispers persisted, echoing in my ears even in the light of day. One evening, fueled by some damn strange curiosity mixed with cold sweat and dread, I found myself back in the whispering grove. It felt like a twisted pilgrimage, a reluctant return to the scene of the bizarre crime. But I couldn't help it. The air was thick. Memories resurfaced as clear as day as I approached the spot where the shimmering oval had mocked the laws of reality. There was a part of me that hoped it was a one-time thing. A fluke in the cosmic machinery. A trick of the mind, as one would say. But deep down, I knew better. The woods seemed to whisper back. Tales of creatures lurking just beyond the veil of the normal world. It wasn't just Bigfoot, but something more. Something that wore the skin of night. The keening sound, a phantom soundtrack to my nightmares, now reverberating in my ears. Why was I doing this to myself? Every step toward that cursed patch of air felt like a dance with madness. My heartbeat synced with the memory of the whispered, Gotcha. I expected the world to unravel again, to plunge into that unnatural darkness, but nothing happened. Instead, a different unease settled in. The fear of the familiar. Was it waiting? Biding its time until my guard was down? The trees stood silent witnesses, their branches casting ominous shadows over me like prowlers in the night. The jungle-like growth that had replaced the familiar pine seemed dormant, but alive, like a coiled serpent. I stood there, a lone soul on the precipice of reality, half expecting that whispered word to pierce the silence. But the only sound was the wind, a gentle rustling of leaves that mocked the earlier absence of it. That, 
and the heavy breaths that escaped my chilled lips. Doubt crept in, causing me to question my own sanity. Was I losing my mind? Had I succumbed to the trauma of that day? The forest held no answers for me, only the echoes of my own footsteps as I retraced the path backward. I prayed I would see it, if only just to know I am not crazy. I didn't know what to believe at that point, but I knew deep down what I had seen. I wasn't crazy. The shimmering oval, once a portal to the unknown, now looked like a rip in the fabric of the ordinary. A scar, a reminder of a moment when the world turned inside out. As I took the last step, I heard a piercing roar that echoed through the trees. It was guttural, otherworldly, and beastly. My knees locked in place. My heart beat faster than it ever had. A strange scent curled my nose, nearly causing my stomach to turn. I felt like I was going to be sick. At that moment, my body freed itself from the terrifying shackles of torment. I began running and never looked back. I had gotten what I came for. I didn't need to see it. I heard it. That was all the confirmation I needed. Dude, that was so good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, no, I... So good. I, I like that one. And I really liked what you were doing with the first person, so I stole it and I wanted to run with it. And... Yeah, you definitely ran with it. The goal was to make this an encounter but not make it blatantly obvious yeah yeah i mean it's our first ravenbrook sasquatch sighting that it is like yeah that's big news and at that it's a fucking portal hopping bigfoot it is and i my love favorite. that that's my exactly. favorite kind yep, yep. <laughs> it's the it best be. kind of bigfoot yep. yeah it's but no overall i love the style of this one i love it's incredibly informal it feels very personal. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know I he's, love that. he's writing it basically like he's writing to his journal, like these thoughts and stuff yeah. that he's trying to get out, um, reliving this past, you know, this past moment and basically just trying to make sense of everything, uh, which I, I mean, yeah, you know, like versus just telling a story. I, I thought it was cool to kind of go on that approach that, yeah, you know, I mean, he's basically writing to this to himself. No, it felt fresh, like refreshing. Yeah. And it like, I love that it's informal, but it's the language is just flowery enough to know that the guy is like intelligent and articulate, mm-hmm. right? Like he's saying stuff like it clung to me like moss on a tree, yeah. things like that. You know what I mean? Like things that you might not say in normal conversations. Mm-hmm. So you can tell he's still like trying to write, right? But right. it's like, it's very informal and that yeah. was nice. That was a good touch. Thank you. I particularly loved the line. I wrote it down. Something that wore the skin of the night. Yeah. Dude. I mean, it's it's supposed to, like, under this low light and everything, it makes it makes it more monstrous. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I just love that line. It's, yeah, well done. Well done. Good deal. You know, every once in a while, I know you've experienced this as a musician, but you, like, hear something and you're like, fuck, why didn't I write that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I felt when I heard that line. Nice. <laughs> 
Well, good. Yeah. Maybe you can find a, another reason or another point to use it. <laughs> well, I'm constantly trying to find new ways to say, like, it was darker than the darkness around it. <laughs> yeah. You oh, know I what know. I mean? And, yeah. A void and that's like, is used too frequently. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard not to. Like. Yeah. It just, But that was, like, a really very cool stylistic way of saying that. You true. know what I mean? Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well I, I I was really I was really pumped after kind of reading this one back and just I don't know actually feeling happy with the way it turned out because I wanted to do more and I actually went back to add more to that first encounter, but then I I reread it again. I was like, no, like I, it needs to, it needs to stay very simple and subtle. Yeah, and quick. Exactly. Yeah, but that that I think line that's the key, gotcha. quick, right? And he hears that and yeah. it's like, oh shit. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. I like that it's quick though because it plays on the something we see a lot with real life encounters, which is for years people question whether what they experienced really happened or not. Yeah, that's and that's fair. I think when it's when it's something super quick like that, you're way more likely to have that doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, it it just adds it adds to I guess more of the authenticity to yeah, it. Yeah, it felt like a real encounter that you would hear about. Mhm. It was cool to get like a new, we keep getting like stories from people in various professions, you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. which I like that we're sort of covering all the bases. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was one thing, one thing as well, kind of talking about like his, his past and his business and stuff. And I was, I was going to further that like he had made it out of Ravenbrook by this point. So he's like kind of reliving. Yeah. I think you kind of like. Yeah, I think you showed that without telling it, mm-hmm. right? Like, just the way he referred to it, like, I took a job in Ravenbrook, or I, you know what I mean? Like, Good, I'm glad it came across. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, in, in storytelling, it's always better showed than told. Well, of course. Yeah. And he's a very, the character was very much like a blue-collar guy, mm-hmm. right? And that came across in the style, too, which made the journal format even more believable. Perfect. So, yeah. Well done. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank I you am so to please. much. So what do you uh what do you have for us today? You ready to get back to the flowery? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you better be. We've got to create this world somehow. Literally and figuratively for this one. Excellent. Oh uh, yeah, never mind. You already told me the title. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm expecting it now. All right. You better. This story is called The Gardener. April eighth. 1995. In the quiet enclave of Ravenbrook, where rumors swirled like phantoms and whispers of the paranormal wove through the tapestry of everyday conversation, I meandered through the routines that had become the heartbeat of my solitary existence. My cottage, weathered by the years, nestled on the outskirts of town, harbored the echoes of a lifetime spent in quiet reflection. Its time-worn facade bore witness to what sometimes felt like eons of history etched upon my soul. This town had cradled my existence since birth, and I in return sought solace within the embrace of its familiar contours. Each morning I embarked on a ritual of tending to the garden that sprawled like a kaleidoscope of colors behind my modest home. The vibrant blooms swayed in the gentle breeze like a symphony of life, 
that resonated through the quietude of the community that was the only home I have ever known. As I worked the soil, the verdant canvas beneath my weathered fingertips, the whispers of my personal history murmured in the rustling leaves. I spoke, perhaps more to the flowers than to any unseen audience, of days long past when the town had thrived with youthful exuberance and the promise of endless possibilities. Yet life, like the seasons, inevitably waned. The tapestry of my existence unfolded, revealing chapters of love, loss, and the inexorable march of time that had left me a solitary figure within the confines of my home. The once-shared laughter of family and friends had faded into the recesses of memory, leaving me with only the company of my solitude. Now anyone who knows Ravenbrook is more than familiar with the peculiar tales of ghostly visitations and unexplained phenomena. To be honest, they meant nothing to me. I dismissed them as fantasies woven by idle minds. I made a conscious choice each day to instead immerse myself in the familiar and comforting rhythm of my daily life. The small community held its secrets, but my roots run deep within its soil, and I found comfort in the routine that had become the heartbeat of my twilight years. That being said, as the years carved its path across my aged features, a subtle but significant shift in the rhythm of my existence unfolded. That shift is why we're here, why I have a story worth telling at all. My garden, once a beautiful bastion of life, betrayed an eerie secret. Each touch, once nurturing, began to bore a sinister consequence. The vibrant blooms began to wither at my fingertips, and the whispers of the town's haunted history began to creep into the edges of my consciousness. I found my way to the truth. I am not a stupid man after all. The whispers were not mere specters of fanciful tales. Something was going on in this place. At a certain point, I could no longer deny the existence of some unholy communion between my touch and the demise of all that thrived in my presence. In the solitude of my cottage, a chilling awareness coursed through my veins. The garden had been my sanctuary for so long. Decades. Suddenly it bore the weight of a terrible secret, and the shadowy specter of my own mortality cast its long fingers across the threshold of my life. As each day passed, as each marigold or petunia or chrysanthemum withered between my once deft fingers... I felt more and more as if I stood on the precipice of a journey that would unravel me entirely. A subtle awareness settled upon me, the truly unsettling fact that, with every life force that drained from the decaying petals, a rejuvenating energy coursed through my veins. Some sort of spectral communion with the flowers emerged as a paradoxical source of vitality, Each wilting blossom was a sacrifice to a hunger within me that was becoming truly insatiable. 
It was a conduit of life. And with every passing week, the grinding hum of my aches and pains diminished. The gnarled hands that once bore the weight of decades began to ease. The weariness etched upon my features gradually replaced and rejuvenated. With every stolen breath, I found an unwitting fountain of youth within the withering petals. Oh, the town's normal rhythm continued. It was a strong place. I'm not sure exactly what I mean by that. Whether it was blissfully unaware of the darkness that lurked within it, or the darkness was merely built into it from the beginning. Regardless, I found myself impressed but my insatiable hunger for life slowly began to manifest in darker deeds as I became a spectral predator prowling the unsuspecting streets, drawn to the pulse of existence like a moth to a forbidden flame. Under the cover of night, I crept through the narrow alleyways, my eyes gleaming with a hunger as bright as any fire. The town's inhabitants remained seemingly oblivious to the encroaching darkness inside of me. The once thriving community became a hunting ground, and I a fiendish conductor orchestrating a symphony of stolen life. With each furtive touch, I drained the essence of life from those who crossed my path. The air thickened with the scent of despair and the shadows whispered secrets that only I could comprehend. As the life force coursed through my veins, my physical form underwent a transformation. Youthful vigor replaced the weariness, and the malevolent power pulsating within me rendered me both immortal and cursed. Slowly, the town succumbed to an undercurrent of unease. Nothing big, nothing dramatic, but the once vibrant community started to wither just like my garden. Its spirit slowly drained by an insidious force that slumbered within my heart. Whispers of inexplicable maladies and premature deaths hung in the air, leaving a trail of fear and suspicion in their wake. Yet the townsfolk clung to their mundane routines. The masquerade of normalcy persisted, but the shadows beneath the surface stretched and contorted, revealing the grotesque puppeteer orchestrating their lives. If I'm honest, I reveled in the chaos I sowed. It was an intoxicating sort of power, something that I never experienced in the long life that seemed more and more like a distant memory. One fateful night I stumbled upon an unforeseen consequence to my communion with stolen life. The faces of those I had drained emerged like spectral apparitions haunting my dreams, clawing at the remnants of my dwindling humanity. The eyes of the departed bore into my soul, accusing and tormented. Their silent screams felt like they were unraveling the threads of my sanity. Haunted by the ghosts of my deeds, I retreated to the only place that ever truly felt like home to me, my garden. 
I was, of course, hoping to find solace amidst the decaying remnants of the once beautiful blossoms. But even there, the echoes of my transgressions lingered, whispering accusations that reverberated through the barren landscape. See, the garden now mirrored the desolation within my own tormented heart. To put it simply, I was a mess. I didn't know who I was anymore, what I was anymore. I had never, in all my years, felt so completely lost. And suddenly a dissonant note in the night's symphony caught my attention. Something out of place. I peered over a row of withered trumpet vines and spotted a lone figure. It seemed to be one of those idiots claiming to be a paranormal investigator. He was fumbling through my garden with a misguided curiosity that was shockingly stereotypical. As I pulled back into the shadows, his flashlight danced from ruined planter to withered flower, illuminating the aftermath of my dark communion. The idiot, obviously unaware of the wickedness that surrounded him, pressed on with reckless determination. The soft rustle of leaves and the chilling breeze marked the backdrop of our clandestine encounter. As he ventured deeper into my garden, my every step mirrored his, concealing within the cloak of darkness and the sounds of his own footfalls. The air thickened with an electric tension. I could feel it in my pores. In the heart of the garden, surrounded by the twisted vines and desolation, I allowed the so-called investigator to stumble upon the epicenter of my darkness. His flashlight revealed just how far I had fallen into the abyss of my own greed. The remnants of a stolen life. The desiccated corpse lay on the old concrete pavers that I had hauled out here and carefully arranged more than 15 years ago. Its sunken eyes stared into the void with a hollow, lifeless gaze. Skin stretched taut over skeletal remains. A macabre tapestry of decay, frozen in the grip of time. The secrets of its final moments forever trapped within a cocoon of parchment-like skin. I felt him gasp as much as I heard it from mere inches behind him. A sudden movement, a predatory lunge from the shadows. The idiot, startled and vulnerable, swung his arms in a desperate attempt to ward off his unseen assailant. Each blow of my young-again fists against his helpless and soft body echoed through the garden. A surprisingly disconcerting symphony beneath the silent moon As my fists rained down on him, the shadows around me seemed to deepen, as if drawing strength from the nocturnal chaos. The idiot's futile attempts to resist me intensified. His breathing grew ragged, and I took a deep breath through my nose. The air hung heavy with the scent of his fear, and I pulled it into me greedily. I was not simply hungry. I was starving. As I stood over his near-lifeless, spasming body, a predatory awareness surged within me. I extended my trembling fingers toward his wrist. In a surge of agonizing energy that I cannot begin to explain, 
a life force drained from him and poured into every fiber of my being. His vacant eyes stared into the abyss as I withdrew, a silent witness to the grotesque metamorphosis that marked the conclusion of our encounter. The garden, now a stage for the dance between life and death, lay silent beneath the spectral gaze of the moon. Once the high began to fade, it occurred to me just how reckless I had become, how vulnerable. The fact that some idiot with a glorified Walkman figured out my role in all this. How long would it be before my fellow citizens, my neighbors, figured it out? The experience hung in the air, was it really this fragile? The shadows, once my accomplices, now whispered warnings that resonated through the recesses of my conscience. I stood in that moment at the precipice of a choice that would shape the contours of my eternity. As I once again retreated into the shadows, a chilling awareness unfurled within me. The idiot on the ground before me was now nothing more than a victim of the very paranormal forces he sought to unravel. But a decision, a pact with the shadows that clung to my essence, took root within me. The echoes of stolen breaths and haunted gazes converged, urging me to embrace a compromise. The darkness within me, once unchecked and insatiable, whispered a sinister promise. A single life per decade. A morbid tithe to the shadows that had granted me unnatural vitality. And so, under the shroud of the moonlit night, I made a solemn vow. Ravenbrook, oblivious to the unholy covenant that now bound me, continued its rhythmic existence. The shadows, my eternal companions, embraced the pact that tethered me to a delicate balance between the abyss and immortality. As I vanished into the night, the whispers of the town's haunted history lingered in the air like a haunting refrain. I was but one more footnote. And the echoes of my descent into darkness resonated through the cobblestone streets, leaving behind a legacy etched in the stolen breaths of those who unknowingly danced with the abyss. Nice. Much, much more flowery, if you will. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. But I like <laughs> it. I mean, it, I mean, it's still not 100% determined what or, you know, what it is. Sounds more vampire to me. Yeah. So, but yeah. like to paint something so like dark and, and sinister and whatever else to be more playful and beautiful. Oh, yeah. Makes it less terrifying and more romantic. Yeah, it is. It really is. That's and I see I saw this character as a romantic character, yeah. right? Like he's lived this long life as just a normal guy, right? Like his he's had a he had a wife and kids and they've, you know, his wife died, his kids moved away as they grew right. up and like he ended up this like old man tending to his garden every day. He doesn't like listen to all the gossip and shit that goes around about the town he just like goes through the motions each day right but like basically keeps to himself and 
has his has his routine. Yeah, and at a certain point, what kept him alive was this garden, right? Right, and then over time, the garden literally became what was keeping him alive as he started to pull the life out of these flowers. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, I I saw him as a romantic character yeah, for I, sure, hundred percent, very self aware mm-hmm. too. Like he sort of was like observing himself decline. You know what I mean? Like he took note of his descent into madness. Right. Which is rare. But I, yeah. I like the turn in the end where he realizes how reckless he's been. Yeah. Like how he's he's being a lot more open with what he's doing and decides he's gonna do you know what what is it, once once per year? Which once or per, per decade. decade, yeah. Which even yeah, he's even Yeah even crazier but at the same time if he has that he's going to be able to continue on yeah but like the thing the thing with the with the the idiot paranormal investigator (laughs) he says basically like if it you know if he realized what he was basically then you know it was only a matter of time before the town did yeah but i feel like I, i don't feel like anyone else is going to see that see him that way yeah Or maybe not i don't know it just it seems like he he keeps to himself enough to where I doubt anyone even realizes he's there. I mean, I could see that for sure. But if the old man that walks by your you know bay window every morning to buy a cup of coffee each morning slowly gets younger I'm every day, true, I guess. Yeah. Like <laughs> after after a while, you might ask, start think like asking some questions, yeah. right? But. I think what he what he meant was he had been too greedy, too active, right? right? So like and that had created a trail mm-hmm. back to him. Yeah. By being so so active with it. So that kind of like scared him into limiting it. But what I really like about that that once per decade is that leaves tons of room for him being the monster behind unexplained disappearances and deaths for generations yeah, going forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's, that's cool too. Yeah. And who's, who's going to connect a, a serial killer. If you look at him like a serial killer, mm-hmm. even who's going to connect a serial killer who has a 10 year long cooldown between victims. Yeah. A death <laughs> yeah. Every 10 years. I mean, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't think of it like that. So that's even better. Yeah, I like it. No, I liked it a lot. It was like I said, it's 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 beautiful in the sense that it creates this very romantic picture of this guy. And yeah, now I think talking about like these possibilities of these other like disappearances and stuff. I wonder how we could Mm -hmm. eventually tie things into that without it being like, oh yeah, maybe it's probably this. Yeah, that's a good question. Right, we'd have to create multiple suspects. But I think it should. He should make an appearance at some point. Yeah, I'd like to see that. For sure. I don't know, because every 10 years, right? And this one takes place in... 95? Yeah, 95. So he's due for another feeding in 2005, in April of 2005. Okay. So we'll see what happens, right? <laughs> maybe, um, I don't know, just like brainstorming. Maybe we like, maybe something like the, the desiccated corpse, right? The one that's been drained by him. Um, pops up in the middle of a string of some unrelated weirdness that's going on and is observed. And you know what I mean? Yeah. I think there's, there's potential for for tie-ins and stuff. Yeah. Could be Easter egg like, right. At least. I mean, you know, cause I I like a lot of these that really, 
yep. are more more powerful than like some of the stories where it's just like kind of this one off situation. I don't want to have just like a series yep. of one offs and just you know and just they're all like random events. But like sometimes to where things yeah. can tie into other things. Like maybe you know maybe we find something some cause to this garden basically becoming his life source or yeah you know whatever else that eventually ties in in the grander scheme of things that's true i mean we've had we've had characters that sort of moved away from ravenbrook when they grew up you know and then they come back to the town right. maybe one of those are like one of his children ah, there we go you know what i mean yeah like could do something with that they go back and they find the cottage in disarray and the garden is all full of dead flowers and you know what I mean? And does does he pick up? Does he become version 2.0? Right. Or maybe he brings the flowers back to life as he walks through the garden. Maybe he's the opposite, you know? All right. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of ideas. Yeah, I like when we can actually just kind of talk about like, you know, what we can do with some of these things when we're, when we're creating like, you know, just more stories and more tie-ins and things like that. Because eventually... We're going to reach a point where we're going to need to kind of start kind of rounding things out and bringing things back. And Oh, yeah. It'll eventually be a fully fleshed out world yeah. where we know, like, I I was joking with my wife the other day that eventually we're going to be able to, like, say a year to each other, like, 1986, and we'll be and you'll be able to tell me, like, who was the chief of police in 1986. I mean, that would be awesome, <laughs> Or, like, though. who was mayor. Or, yeah. And then again. I mean, as someone's gonna buy it and turn it into a show so yeah as long as we keep going i mean the world will get that full right. you know mm-hmm. i think something like that would be really cool to turn into you know an actual like series yeah. where you can literally do anything with you like the idea of a, a show that jumps around in time i don't mind as that. well or do you see it as like a do you see it as like sort of like that recent goosebumps series where like we're seeing a current group of characters discovering things about i i love the way that they did that for sure because i like it just was a whole different approach to like the way that the the way the way the books and stuff are set up but i also i love the idea of playing with time and going back and like you know i mean yeah we can have one that takes place in modern day and then all of a sudden we shoot to like the 30s or the 40s and we're telling something but then it connects to something later on when we come back and we're, you know, we fill in these gaps and stuff that it can tie to, yeah. to connect it to modern day. Um, that way it's not just yeah. shifted all over the place. Sure. It, I mean, it could also be, it could also be American horror story style where like maybe each season is a new cast of characters in a different time. True. You know yeah. what I mean? That's true. Maybe, I mean, the, which is basically just a longer version of what we do in our stories, right? right? Like, just a longer form story taking place in 1995 or 1980. I mean, but like just the story. I mean, you could easily make an hour long episode building building up on it, and then oh, yeah. his day to day as he like you know goes in and and does yep. these things or tends to his garden or communicates like with the outside world. And yep, if I turned this story into a script, it would easily be an right. hour of television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, <laughs> Netflix hit us up. <laughs> <laughs> if only we're here we're just we waiting are. you say it's the word you. we're ready to go and then also buy the podcast too so yeah duh <laughs> we'll get right to it <laughs> no but yeah i again beautiful story i i really liked it and 
I really like Thank the you. way that you told it and described this guy and stuff, and it makes you also feel for him. Yeah, I think his self awareness goes a long way for that. Is like you end up rooting for him, mm-hmm. you know, even though you know he's this monster, fear eating psychic vampire. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. But I like that because they even they need love, of course. Maybe he really just needs a hug. Maybe that's what Don't it hug is. Him. <laughs> don't hug it would have been over a lot faster for him yeah i love that the guy started as a like the reason i the reason i made him have this like disdain for the paranormal investigator is because if you remember he started as a skeptic yeah right like he he didn't buy any of that shit so his whole life he thought of those people as idiots i mean yeah like it's fair and some of the some of them are that's for sure (laughs) that's true that's true it was made it playful i thought so well sweet this is a good episode i think agreed and that's going to conclude this week's episode of tales from ravenbrook the thing from whispering grove and the gardener <laughs>